recorded live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Trek Talk Live. This is a special edition live from London. This is Let'sRun.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Not actually in London. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. But we've got our two Let's Run people on the ground in London. We want to welcome to the program Let's Run A staff writer Jonathan Galt and my fellow co-founder Weldon Johnson. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here. And, you know, you might not be in London. We're actually, uh, technically, we're not live. If you're listening to this, it's probably, you know, probably not listening to it at 8.03 a.m. Eastern time. But uh, we are happy to be here. We're excited. It's day one of the world's. We were walking around town this morning and we passed by a radio that was someone was listening. He was doing construction work outside and it was talking about the meat. So uh, I don't know. I hope that there's some excitement building around the city. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to start the meet. They were talking about the radio. It's what we're going to start off talking about tonight. Uh, Mo Farah, you know, goes for glory again tonight in the 10K and then Usain Bolt starts the 100 meters. And, you know, those are two huge storylines. They'll both be done by tomorrow. The 10K finals tonight, the 100 meter finals done tomorrow. Bolt, of course, will have the four by one and far later the 5,000. But uh, with this show, it's going to be quick about 30 minutes, first 15 minutes. We're going to talk mainly about Mo Farah and Bolt. And then, second half, we're going to look at you know the rest of the world, some events we're excited about, and you know the rest of the meet. It's going to be a great world championships. Very excited about it, guys. I got up bright and early. I was going to say good morning to you. It's uh, 8.05 here, East Coast time, but I guess there it's uh, 1.05, right? So good afternoon, gentlemen. Let's start with that 10,000, as you've talked about. You know, Mo Farah, today is the five-year anniversary of Super Saturday. Super Saturday was that glorious day for the Brits when they got rid of their losing history in all of athletics and all of sport. And Mo Farah, Jessica Ennis, now Jessica Ennis-Hill, and Greg Rutherford all won gold medals at the Olympics at home in the span of about two hours. So five years later, Farah is going to try to end his 10,000 career on the track with another gold. And it seems to me for years, you know, last three, four years, we've been saying Jeffrey Camore, Jeffrey Camore. If anyone beats him, it's going to be Camore. You know, Jonathan, I'm a huge Camore fan, but am I fooling himself, fooling myself? What could possibly be different? I mean, it hasn't happened in the past. I mean, you know, yes, it did happen at the half marathon distance. But last time I checked, they're not going to run more than, you know, 10 miles on the track tonight. Um, why might it be different this time or, or, or are people just sort of needlessly, you know, creating controversy here? Well, yeah, I, th- I think you make a good point there, Robert, because if you look at Camora's resume is basically, he's done the same two things. Look, it's 2015. People said, well, he won the world half marathon championships. Then he won the world cross country championships. Now can he become world champ at 10,000? He didn't. Farah beat him. He outkicked him in Beijing. Now he's going into 17. We've got the same two things. Camaro has again won the World Half Marathon Championships. He's again won World Cross Country. But there's Mo Farah. He still hasn't been beaten over 10,000 meters since uh, Daegu in 2011. And, you know, I think the, real, the only hope that Camaro fans will have is Farah is one year older. It's very hard to continue to run uh, at a high level particularly in the 10,000 for a long time. You know, when Mo Farah won in 2012, he was the oldest 10,000-meter uh, champion and a global champ since Mirits Yifta in 1980. And, you know, that was when he was 29, and now he's 34. So I think that basically the hope is he said last week he wasn't in quite the shape he wanted to be at this time of year, which is a little worrying considering the World Championship final is tonight. 
Uh, so maybe he's come around a little bit, but I think that's really the the only way he wins is if Farah's a little bit worse and Kamuro's a little bit better. Okay, let's take that for... I, I thought that comment, you know, if, if you guys, if, if the visitors didn't see it, but Farah said he's not in, in the shape that he wants to be. I thought that comment was bizarre. I mean, Farah has already raced Kamuro this year at the pre-classic on May 27th, and he won in 13 flat. Point seventy. I mean, what has he had an injury since then, or is this some sort of let's low, lower expectations, give people hope type statement? You know, I mean, people just say stuff in interviews end up being not true sometimes. But that didn't make any sense. He was clearly in shape, you know, June to July. I mean, that's over two months ago. So, well, the co- what I'm reading there is he remember he did race in Ostrava one month after pre he ran a 10,000. He was trying to run a fast time. He came through at about 1325 or so and then slowed, you know, slowed down quite a lot during the second half. He only ended up running, I think around 27, 12, nothing, you know, too crazy. And I think he wasn't particularly happy with that result. You know, I think he probably wanted to run a little faster. It may have felt a little harder than he wanted it to. So I don't know. Do Unless, but I do think agree. It's kind of hard to square with you know he beat not just Cam Worrell, but pretty much anyone who's anyone at five thousand meters was in that race, the pre classic. Farah still won it, so I don't know if he picked up some sort of injury in between, or if he just feels like he's in better five k shape than ten k shape. But I do agree, it's kind of hard to reconcile. Yeah, I mean, it just. It seems bizarre. Now, I, I was looking at the, at the um, betting odds in this race, and I think Farah is like a, a one to three favorite, which isn't as high as, as I would have thought. I mean, I, I, you'd think that all the Brit, you know, these are, these are odds are coming from London, so you think people would vote for the hometown guy, and and, and the implied win percentage there is only seventy five percent. Um, I mean, considering this guy basically never loses on the track, I, I was a little bit surprised by that. I mean. Do you think his odds, guys, over under, are they higher than, is it higher than 75% that Farrell loses this race, wins this race? Yeah, I don't know. For some reason for me, I've been thinking, you know, he's not in that good of shape as years past. I feel like he's going to lose tonight. It's kind of crazy to think. I don't know. I sort of thought that would be a good bet to take. But as we get closer to race time, and I'm like, wait, he ran 13 flat at pre. He beat Cam Warwar. Um, I think for whatever reason, you know, that 10K sort of, I don't know if it affected his psyche or what. Um, then he sort of, you know, done a, he did the, the Jamaican Bolts race, the Jamaican Grand Prix 3K, which wasn't th- that impressive. Um, but nobody was in the field. He won. And then he did the London 3K, same sort of thing. Um, so, you know, it's hard to argue with the bookies. I think th- three out of four is probably about right um, in terms of percentage chance he'll win it. And then also this concept that, oh, Cam Warrior is the guy that beat him. London, he's a total non-factor. I'm like, oh, well, that's when Cam Warrior first got good. But, no, Cam Warrior won World Cross two years ago as well. And the Kenyans actually pushed the pace at Worlds in 2015. It was this premise that Farah can't win in a fast one. Well, maybe super fast, but, you know, under 27 minutes. But, you know, are they really going to try to do that? And if it's not under 27 minutes, that means it comes down to one thing, right? The last lap. And John pointed out an excellent stat in the preview. The only world championship race that Mofar has ever lost was the 
confusing my years here. What 2011 Worlds? And you know that was the one where Jaywan outkicked them. And everyone's sort of take on that race was that Farah went went too far because he opened up a big lead in the backstretch and then got passed. And in reality, that's not really what happened. Jaywan ran a 52.8 last second lap, and um, you know Farah's never run that fast in a 10k before, so. If you can bring it on the last lap, you might beat them. But otherwise, usually you don't. So I guess the question for me to you guys is, do you think it'll play out sort of as the world's in the past? I guess 2015, they did sort of try the team tactics. But if he's going to go down, how do do you see that race happening? Um, Yeah, I think think the pace has got to be honest. I mean, if if they turn this into a 5,000... I mean, Camor gave, you know, I mean, Camor was second at the pre-classic, but I think Mo Farah is much more beatable at 10,000. And obviously, I mean, I think he would get smoked if he was in the marathon. So the longer it goes, the more vulnerable he is. But so it's got to be an honest pace because, um, you know, we don't want this being a jog for 5,000 and basically be a 5,000 meter race. So that's the problem. Nobody generally, you know, the team tactics, you need people to work together to set the pace. I mean, if anything, and, and people say, why is that? Why don't you just lead? Well, hey, did you watch the sub two attempt by Elliot Kipchoge? People need people to break the wind, you know, and stuff like that. It, it helps to draft off people. So if you're sitting in second the whole time, it's a lot less energy. So I think the Kenyans are going to have to work together. But to me, the wild card in this thing is what am I thinking, guys? Can you read my mind? What two words am I going to come out of my mind? Come on, Jonathan. I think I know. All right, well then, give it a go. Joshua Cheptegei. Indeed. All three of us, guys, the last time we were together, we were in Uganda. A special day. The World Cross Country Championships went back to Africa for the first time in a long time. And Joshua Cheptegei tried to, tried, fearlessly tried to win for the home crowd, and he destroyed Camor. He was way ahead mid-race, you know, had gapped the field, but it was too much. I mean, he'd gone too hard too soon, ended up staggering home. But the guy is a fearless warrior. He, hopefully, you know, Kenya is just their neighbors, you know. So the, the, these guys are, you know, may actually, you know, be from the same tribe. Um, they need to work together. Chapter guys got to get with the Kenyans of Kenmore and, you know, two, three, four guys sharing the lead up front to do it. But, you know, I, I've been picking against Farah and these prediction contests that we have, folks. And if you haven't entered, you can still enter the Let's Run.com prediction contest sponsored by Running Warehouse. It's free. You can win a lot of money. It's fun. It's kind of like fantasy football, but for track and field. But, you know, I, I said I'm not going to do it again. I'm, I'm just going to pick Farah and try to get my points. Um, but I, I'm a huge Cam War fan. Cheptegei, I think, also is, is a guy that, you know, coming up could, could be a big star. And the crazy thing about Cam War is he's only 24. Guys, I mean, we talked about Farah winning for the last five years or so. God, Cam War could, you know, he could go for 10 years, theoretically, at, at you know, if, if he starts winning now and he's such a good marathoner that there's probably more money in that ultimately, but uh, definitely going to be exciting. Um, you know, well, that's, that's actually, I, until you brought up his name, I was sort of thinking about the race. Wait, how did I picture him losing? And now I remember him overcoming the jet lag. If chapter guy pushes the pace, I think that's the way I see Farrell losing. Um, and I feel like he raced the 5k on the sun. Didn't he sort of push it there, John? This year, chapter guy, yeah, uh, he may have. I, you know, I'm not really as sold on this whole pace pushing idea as you guys are, though. I really just think it comes down to someone you got to, you just got to be better than Farah. Like, if you're fitter than Farah, 
whether it's a, you know, if it's okay, if it's a 28 minute race, maybe Mo Farah can still kick you. But if it's 27.30 or 26.30, whoever's in better shape, if you're in better shape than Mo Farah, if you're more fit than him, I think that's how you beat him. I don't think it's a magical strategy of pushing the pace so it's so fast you, you can't hold on. Like, yeah, okay, if there's only one guy who can hold on to 26.45 pace, I think he could still win in like a 26.715 race because I just think he's more fit than Farah. He's going to be able to close fast in a 27.15 race. So, those are my, that's my two cents on that. But I think we should move forward to the uh, to the 100 as that's also starting tonight. And there's a lot of attention on that race. Um, you know, we, we heard yesterday Andre de Grasse uh, is out of the meet, which is really unfortunate. Um, hamstring injury. But you've still got Usain Bolt. You've still got Justin Gatlin. You've still got Christian Coleman. Uh, I think it's the same question with Bolt as it was with Farah. Does Bolt lose? And if so, who's going to do it? Gentlemen, one thing real quick before the 100. We didn't talk about the weather. I was just looking at the forecast. It looks like the race is actually at 920. I think I may have misspoke and said 940, right? 920 local time, John, is that correct? 920, yep. So, gentlemen, it must be pretty cold over there. It looks like the weather right now is going to be only 65 degrees. I mean, that's basically pretty, I mean, it's a world record. You probably went in the 50s or 40s. Yeah. That's quite good. And Great weather. I don't think it's going to have much of an impact. I mean, it's just going to be, allow them to run faster, right? Yeah. So, John, yeah, I mean, I, ending up the thing, I agree with you. It doesn't need to be a 27, sub 27 minute, minute race. I mean, I don't even know what is the championship record. It's certainly not under 27, is it? Um, but it, I, it can't be like a 29 minute race. Of course, these guys have famously closed, Hal Gabriel and Paul Turgot, I think, closed under 13, <laughs> 10,000. What year was that? So, anyways. To the 100, John. Sorry. Yeah. Do you have an opinion, Robert? Can Bolt be beat? Do, will anyone beat him? Um, that reminds me. I, I may need to change my picks. I, I was thinking that he could be beat um, by DeGrasse. You know, he's run 9-6. Now, admittedly, that was crazy when they did. And, and basically, no one's really run faster than about 9-9, right? Without the win, when you convert everything? Is, is that basically right? right? I think, yeah, DeGrasse was at 9-88 converted, but obviously he's not in the field. Johan Blake ran 9-90 at the Jamaican Trials. And I I think, I mean, that, that has been Johan Blake in the early season. That's the best he's looked. Since, I mean, he was fourth at the Olympics last year, but I think he's in better shape this year. It's the best he'd looked since you know, 2012, when, before he had his big injury. But, you know, ne- he, he withdrew for bot because of an injury before that meet. And he, you know, didn't sound like it was super serious, but it was also a precaution. And I get worried with this sort of thing, especially a guy who's been hurt in the past. Like Blake, I think, you know, if, if he had just kept rolling through Jamaican trials, I think he would have been a legitimate threat to Bolt. And as it is, I still think he's the best chance to beat him. I don't think Justin Gatlin's getting it done. Uh, at this point, but you know, I, I, mean, I think it's hard to know with Blake what what Blake's going to show up. Th- that's yeah, the interesting thing about his world championship. There's a lot, everybody. Yeah, I mean, what's his form? To me, it seems like you know, Bolts raced what twice since the trials, once, twice. Well, he didn't run the trials, but I he, mean, since that date, right? Gat Gatlin's run twice. Coleman hasn't raced at all, not since USA's. And granted, he had a long collegiate season, so that's very understandable. But the other thing with having a long collegiate season is how long is he going to be able to hold that peak for? Like, he ran 982 in Eugene on June 10th or June, you know, June 8th, early in June. 
but I don't think he's in that kind of shape anymore. You know, can he come out and run nine eight two after three races in two days tomorrow night? I I'd feel I find that's hard to believe. Yeah, I don't think Coleman's the one to do it. I mean, I, I think he in a couple of years he may be, but uh, you know, maybe in sprinting, I don't know. I'm not really a sprint expert like him. A distance runner, can you have two peaks in the span of two months? He looks past his peak. I mean, I, I would be surprised. Blake, I mean, come on, he hasn't been racing. Good, good luck with that. He's injury prone. I mean, that's the interesting thing about these worlds. There's a lot of stars. We don't really know what type of form they're in, whether it's Delilah Muhammad in the 400 hurdles who's been struggling with injury, Johan Blake, Amaz Ayana in the women's 10,000 hasn't raced. I mean, there's a lot of superstars that, you know, the, the long jumper, Munyanga or whatever, however you say that from South Africa. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, the, the favorite in the race, basically, we don't know really what, what form they're in. So, I mean, it's just amazing. It's kind of yeah. like a, a throwback year in the sense of, you know, it's like, remember when 9-9 used to be really good? and mm-hmm. You know, there was one year that a ten oh one won the worlds um, by the uh, my my brain's not working this year. Like Kim guys Collins, yes, Kim Collins. So, you know, you, you think somebody would be able to do it? I mean, to me, if he's going to lose, I I would think it would be the Johan Blake or Justin Gatlin. Um, you know, Coleman already got Gatlin is sort of doing the opposite of what he's done in, in recent years, which is normally blast these times early in the season, then sort of not do as well at worlds. So is he purposely trying to peak at worlds or is the fact that he hasn't run fast or that often just simply the fact that he's getting older in age and not capable of doing that? Yeah, yeah I think I mean, it's a combination. So with Gatlin, I don't know. I've had this sort of love hate relationship with Gatlin or, Maybe mostly hate, mostly right? Mostly hate. Um, oh, I you know, think he's, he's a fascinating like, interview. The drug questions I'd ask him, but uh, I actually sort of like talking to the guy. I, you know, I don't know, like probably putting a little too much uh, personalization into this, but he sort of, since I don't ask him drug questions really anymore, he sort of nods at me or kind of he smiles. He he just he likes not being asked the questions. Here it'll be interesting because the British press probably will try to ask the questions, but. You know, I'm observant of what Gatlin was doing. So coming in, into the USA's, he hadn't run any fast times. I'm like, oh, I think he's done. And then at USA's, he, he presented a different story. He's like, look, usually um, I get injured very early in the training block. Um, and then I start doing my faster stuff and I'm fine. And then sort of all top sprinters right before major competitions will pick up some niggle and you sort of deal with that. And he's like, this year it was a little bit different right when I started doing my speed stuff, I got hurt. So it's later in the cycle. And he's like, I wasn't used to that. So I had to back off. It affected my times um, in this racing. So I was like, wow, maybe this will help him be better for the worlds. Um, but then if you look at what he's done since USA's, he's run twice, uh, some Hungarian meet. He and I'll point out by, that he's won twice. He won both of them. He ran 998 winning by 0.01. And then he ran it one in Lausanne, run nine nine six, winning by point oh two over Benmete. So it's like, hey, you know, um, decent times, but I don't feel like that's not going to win the worlds, right? Like you have Usain Bolt. I figured it's going to take even this year if it's an off year. So, someone needs to go nine eight something. Um, I think Bolt. I think nine eight five is the time to beat. If anyone can run nine eight five or faster, that will win the race. Yeah, the early season Christian Coleman. I mean, you might want to just if you could take Christian Coleman. 
Sounds like we may have lost the gentleman we, uh, from the call in London. I'll... Coleman feels a little bit off. He should have won it two years ago. He, he That was his chance. He had it. He stumbled at the end. I mean, the race was his. John and I were like, what, 50 feet away? It was crazy. I mean, he had it, and then he didn't. So, but now maybe he's a little more relaxed. The pressure's off him. Nobody expects him to do anything. Um, Having a few technical difficulties, it looks like. Um, some weird background noise, and then we lost the guys from London briefly. Um, hopefully, they'll call back in. But, you know, Weldon's making a good point that, um, you know, Bolt, no, no, no one's really run fast. It's, it's going to take a 9-8 to win this race, and who's right. capable Yeah, can you still it? hear us, Robert? We got you back now. What happened, gentlemen? Uh, I think we lost you. How long were we out for? Um, I don't know. I, just a, f a few, just when Weldon was talking about Bolt, and for some reason that we also, I think fans may have been hearing some ads from my computer. I think he's playing. Okay. Well, yeah. I, you know, I think, like you were saying, you know, 9-8, I think 9-8, somewhere in the 9-8, 9-8 will get you on the podium for sure. It'll probably be, I think 9-8-5 or faster is good enough for gold. I think one more thing I wanted to add on Bolt, though, what's so impressive about this guy, you know, we're talking about these people who are in, might not be 100%, who are injured or one even in the meet like DeGrasse and uh, Trayvon Bromel and Bolt you know okay he, he doesn't race as much during the regular season as we'd like to and he has had injury problems but the way he's managed them in his career every time he gets the championship portion of the season in the best shape he is in that entire year he's done that throughout his career he's always run his fastest times in championships I think he's primed to do that again he ran nine nine five in Monaco I think Another three weeks, you know, of training, of getting his body healthy. You know, he'll, by the time tomorrow night, I think he's going to be in 985 shape again. And I think that's going to be, you know, it wouldn't have been good enough to beat Gatlin in Beijing, but I think it's good enough to win this meet tomorrow. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think that, um, you know, Bolt's going to win it. He's a one to three favorite at Petty Power right now. We can get uh, Sky Bet. Four to eleven favorite. You know, I'm looking at some of the special bets. You know, with these guys, you can bet that Usain Bolt, Johan Blake, and Justin Gatlin all run sub nine ninety in the final. But you're getting less than even money, four to six. I, I would not be taking that bet, and I just think there's too many question marks, um, particularly with injuries. Really, with all three three of them. Um, but you know, it's really just sort of disappointing that DeGrasse isn't here. I mean, I, I think that. I know the conspiracy theorists think that Opuma or somebody, you know, paid him off so that he wouldn't run. Hey, that doesn't make any sense. DeGrasse is also a Puma athlete. So if anything, if Bolt was going to lose, they would want their new guy to, to beat Bolt. And it Actually, sounds like there's some said that between um, the two in the past. It makes perfect sense to me. If you were going to have a conspiracy, you'd all be within one shoe company. Puma's not going to be able to pay off Nike to not win. But... Right. I think the whole thing's ludicrous, but I do agree. Yeah, you can't – there's no way you'd be able to convince a rival shoe company to drop that guy. If it's going to happen, it would be Puma doing it for one of their own. But, again, I do agree It's with Robert's reasoning. Like, Puma, it gives them a chance to go 1-2. It gives them a chance to – if Bolt loses, to set him up as the next star, which he's already pretty well set up as – which okay. we, actually that brings us to a very interesting I just wanted to point out one thing of the 100 meter odds in the 2020 Olympics Andre de Grasse well what were these that we saw it was 
I, I think it was absolutely crazy. He was like, what, three to one or something? Here we go, John. Now one, you say it, I'm on Patty Power. Yeah. Like, Andre de Gras, six to five. Six to five. For the, for Olympics the 2020, 2020 Olympic final. That's three years from now. That's what we call a sucker bet. So that means <laughs> Andre de Gras, um, he's 45% to win the next Olympics. I mean, it's just ludicrous that. You know, there might be some sprinter who we've never even heard of who emerges, and he's the, you know, the guy to beat. To bet to have a guy at six to five who's never won a global title three years from the race in question is ludicrous. But I think we, I think we're good on the hundred here. We've got maybe you know ten more one, minutes. One, one thing about the hundred, I wish DeGrasse came out here and ran. I don't know. Maybe this is different with track and field, but like this is the World Championships. I don't know if you're hurt in baseball or tennis, you go out there and give it a try. The difference is with track, there's no skill to sort of un- overcome physical difficulties or injury. But, like, if this is going to be your last race and you're not trying to run any more races, which he said he's not going to do now, I don't know. Why not just go give it a chance? You don't want to pull your hamstring off your bone or something and pull a Chris Solinsky. Probably sounds naive, but, hey, you know, the injury must be worse than we thought. But Because when the injury was first reported, somebody, you know, posted this the, on the message boards. A few days before it was announced, he was pulling out. They thought DeGrasse was going to run the 200. And initially, that's what came out afterwards, actually, from his camp, that we thought he'd be fine, be able to run the two, and he, but he can't do either. So, yep. But this so meet is, you know, this is just the first two days of the meet. We have a lot more of track and field oh, after I, that. I have a question. Uh, do we need to talk about the whole meet? Or are we going to be doing a daily podcast? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what type of wisdom I want to share with the, with the viewers in the next I think well, since it is the full meet, we should, you know, we're going to try to do a lot more shows because there's no morning sessions. Uh, we incorporate interviews and that sort of stuff into these shows, but I think since this is the first show, we got we got to we got to talk about the full meet. Yeah, give us anything that's on your mind, Robert. What's your what's your best stat? Your best question? What, I don't even know what time we started. You said you wanted to keep it at thirty minutes, but we had some technical difficulties starting. So yeah, we we started about one o five. We got about five ten minutes left. So how how about you got some questions here you wanted to hit us with, Robert? Maybe you know yes. entire meet questions. Rapid fire, gentlemen. Um, Let's do that. Okay. Um, I think John, I'll ask Jonathan first, give Weldon, he's an older man, let him have a little time to think about these things. How many gold, excuse me, not gold medals, take that back. How many medals? First of all, John, let me ask you, uh, I'm going to give lead into the question. How many medals did the U.S. win last year, mid-D, 800 on and up, mid-D in distance? Uh, they won seven, if you're going up to the marathon. Six on the track, seven in total. Okay. How many do we win this year? I think it's four. I oh think. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't Please think it's justify four? Justify that ludicrous statement. I'm trying. Well, I do think. I think Chalimo medals. Uh, I think Evan Jaga medals. And oh, I'm trying to think. No, I think. I think three is actually the number I wanted to go with. I think those two medal. I think RJ Wilson can also medal. So you get those three. And I, I think you might add in one more. Like you get Centrowitz could medal. I think Jenny Simpson and Coburn would need a few things to break that way, but I don't think it's impossible. Uh, I think the women's 10,000, Molly Huddle, maybe she's got a little chance. Okay, I think, yeah, I'm going to revise my initial prediction. Four, that's, I don't think four is happening. I think we get they get three medals. And uh, if it's, you know, Chilimo, Jaga, Wilson, one of them might not medal, but I think you could also make up with a surprise medal in a different event. Um, even, we were talking about this in the 800, you know, Donovan Brazier, if the race sets up thank well you, for him, I you. think 
He's got a great chance with Correa and Amos, the two guys who like to run from the front. They could set it up for him. And we were even saying this isn't. Well, I was totally about to say, Chris, well, but well then, don't don't you Brooks fans out there, Brooks. You know, we hear from some of the Brooks marketing people saying they don't get a lot of love. Robert almost had a heart attack when we said four guys might get a medal. Yet last night, I almost had a heart attack when I heard Robert and John discussing Drew Wendell's medal chances in the 800 meters. You guys hey. are saying a slow race, the way he closes. I mean, not a slow race, just any race if he makes the final. The way he closes, he sneaks in there for a third. Um, this is a whole other level. That's, you know? how, that's how Murphy medal lost. But I agree. Granted, Murphy ran 142. But it's yes, not a great I don't think Drew Wendell could run 142, but I think if but it Don, one of them could sneak on there. So Robert, why do you think four is so crazy? I think we three three is the number. I guess eight. I guess the women's eight hundred is. We're acting like okay. AJ since she's won one fifty five is a lock, but it's you got to feel very good about Jager. I'm taking myself back to my coaching days. It's always better to set the expectations extremely low, and then you're only pleasantly surprised. But and. Okay, first of all, the only person that I know will medal, and it's a complete disaster if they don't medal, is Evan Jaeger. He's the 60% person to win the gold medal. He's going to medal. I think he's going to win the gold. Congratulations, Evan. Not that way. <laughs> After that, I've got nobody in the men's side. I mean, 800, yeah, Brazier could do it, and I did. I agree. I will admit to it. I said Wendell. I said, look, this guy's top three in everything, and then immediately he's running top three at the Track Town Summer Series. I mean, it's not the same thing. I was thinking to myself, has he ever not finished in the top three of a race this year? Actually, he wasn't top three in his last race, but hey, that was the Monaco race. He was fourth. So he actually had the same time. Oh, he tied for fourth, actually. So he had the same time. He could have been fifth. Um. Actually, you know, I, I think Brazier and, and Wendell have a have a chance, particularly. I mean, Brazier obviously, but you know, I would put those odds at like thirty percent. Cholimo's got a chance, maybe about thirty percent, but nobody and, and nobody else. I mean, come on, we're not getting a medal in the ten k. We're not. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Oh, what about Centrowitz? Yeah, Centrowitz. Centro, I forgot about you. Um, may, you oh, he's know. only the Olympic champion. You know. Okay, so maybe he's got about a thirty percent chance too. So thirty for a medal. As a, as a former high school math teacher, I should realize that if you have just, uh, you know, a 30% chance in three events, um, it's 0.7 times 0.7 times 0.7. So the odds that one of them gets a medal is 34%. That doesn't make any sense. That's not how, that's not how math works, Robert. But... <laughs> no, except, yeah, yeah, you did it right. 0.7 times 0.7, 0.7, subtract from one. So, no, that's the odds that all of them. That's the odds that all three of them medal. Excuse me. You want the odds that only no. one, just one of them medals. Yeah, that one medal will be sixty-five percent, right, Weldon? 0.7 times point seven times point seven is the odds that all three don't medal. Yeah, so the correct, fact correct. that somebody medals sixty-five percent of the time. Yeah, there we go. That's I guess that, that might add up to to be two on the men's side, but there's going to be one, and there might be two, but. You know, hey, Jager could always trip on a hurdle in that medal too. So he's probably like a ninety-five percent chance to medal. So, you know, if you combine those two, but on the women's side, I mean, come on, you know, Ag will. I, I think Ag Wilson's going to medal, but she's got the big three to go against. Um, you know, she's a nine percent chance to win the gold medal. So that's not me. That's the betting odds. Fifteen hundred, no medal, no way. 
Steeple, no way. 5K, no way. And John, are you crazy? Molly Huddle, she's 100 to 1 to win the gold medal. And you think she's going to medal? I mean, I'm I guess- just saying, Robert, if I had told you two years ago that Emily Infeld was going to medal in the 10,000 meters, what would you have told me? I would have said, hey, I want some uh, some of those narcotics that you're on. I mean, yeah, I, you would have, I, fight, you I would have fired me for, you know, professional malpractice. So I think, you know, to say to write off any of these people as a medal is impossible is just like, it's ridiculous. Jenny Simpson, everyone came into the Olympics last year. Oh, my God, these women are running so fast. How is Jenny Simpson ever going to medal? She finds a way. And you know why she medaled last year was because. She ran to run as fast as possible. She basically ran for, she didn't admit this openly, but this is how I saw it. She ran for a medal. Laura Muir ran for the win. Muir ended up blowing up and Jenny Simpson got the medal, even though Laura Laura Muir was in 355 shape. So say you got a bunch of women in the same sort of situation this year. Could Jenny Jenny Simpson medal again? Absolutely. I just think it's, I don't think she will, but I think it's possible. Oh, it's possible that I, I win the Powerball today too, John, but I, I don't think it's like, I mean, let's go through the, the names. Genzebe de Baba, going to crush her. <laughs> I mean. I, 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 I love how you said de Baba. I, I understand, but J- look, Jenny Simpson, 2013, she got a medal. 2011, she got a medal. She can't beat those people. She got a medal. The only time she didn't medal was 20, since then, 2012 Olympics. Okay, that was, she bombed that meet. But, and then 2015 Worlds, when she lost her shoe in the final. Like, I think we got to give Jenny Simpson a little bit more credit here. Constance Kosterhelfen, 66 to 1. I mean, actually, you know, Debaba, hey, with what's going on with her coach, who knows if she's even going to make it to the start line. Hassan is going to beat Jenny. Faith Kipiega is going to beat Jimmy. Uh, I don't know. I have any idea what Castro Semenya is going to do. Laura Muir. There aren't, there aren't that many people. This podcast is going to be great because we got a lot of, you know, we have, there's a lot of storylines. Castro Semenya running the 15, going for the double. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, that's, great. that's another question. Miller doing the 200, 400 double. We got a lot of stuff going on at this world. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, so oh. one thing that is sort of missing, we needed to give a shout out real quickly to some, some people. That's not, we've only talked about one of them. That's Andre DeGrasse. But the people who aren't here, Clayton Murphy. Noah Lyles and David Radisha. Those are three huge names, especially in the U.S. But, um, you know, Radisha had the greatest race at the Olympics five years ago. He's out. You know, he's talking about trying to make it to 2020. He may never win anything again. But sort of the future in the sprinting and in the mid-distance United States, Noah Lyles set a world record indoors at the 300. The guy was tearing it up. And then he just, what, didn't start? What, round didn't start the semifinal at USA's in 200. He ran round one, right? Yeah. Um, and we haven't seen him since. And then Clayton Murphy went for the gusto, man, trying the 800-1500 double, and he's not here. And if he was here based on his early sort of feet, he ran a 143 in April. Is that March? <laughs> at, yeah, April at the Mount Sac Relays. Um, Absolutely phenomenal. He's probably... And, you know, right now, he's probably is kicking himself that he didn't do just the 800. I'm, I don't know if the injury issues was specifically related to running, you know, two events in one meet and, you know, five trying four races in three days. But he's, if he, if he had a do over right now, I think Murphy would only do the 800 and he'd look at the rest of this field and he'd say, you know, career and Amos, they're good, but I'm not scared of them. I'm the top returner from Rio. I should win this race. And I think he'd have a chance to, if he was, you know, if he was in that early season form, but again, we don't know how much the injury was caused by 
the Sacramento weather and, you know, straining your body and pushing it that hard. How much was just normal wear and tear? It's hard to say, but I, I do think the, the double played a part in it. Yeah, I think you're, I don't know. I, he didn't look great to me running those races to begin with. I thought that. I yeah. agree. He didn't look that good, but I, the whole time I was wondering if he's trying. Here's you know, his true story. Doing the double, so, he's trying to save something for the final. So and I think I mean, that could have affected him, you know, like. I hope that he doesn't. That you normally would naturally run, so you get injured. I hope because of this, he doesn't become one of these guys, you know, it infuriates me how nobody races on the circuit. I mean, you know, anymore. So I, I, I want to commend him for going for it, but you know, Absolutely. We've, been, Absolutely. we've been talking about these things about like going for it. And, you know, Jenny didn't run for gold, you know, in reality. And this it was also, I thought about this this week when Jonathan gold, if you haven't read it, folks, 6,000 word piece on Alan Webb's great season 10 years ago, Alan Webb, I want to make this point now. You know, people are ranking the greatest American distance runners. I said, name an American distance runner in my lifetime who, when the other runners were at their very best, he could go out and still beat you. You know, Centrowitz, no way. He cannot beat Kiprop and Quimoy at their best. But Alan Webb in 2007 could take anyone on the year in the world and beat them. You know, Jenny Simpson, she can't beat the Dababas of the world. Her, her, her PR is 350. I mean, Dababas is. So, you know, you, you got to just try to run to the finish line. I mean, People talk about Prefontaine, he went for gold. Well, he didn't get it. So you can't force it. You got to run as fast as you can, you know, to the finish line. If someone's running too fast, hey, you've got to know your own body. So, you know, that's the way it works. So, you know, it's a tough thing. I understand why people don't race, but it makes it boring as a fan. And this is a true story. I, I found out about David Radisha pulling out earlier this week. I just got a text message and it said, this is from a fairly prominent coach. And it just was LOL, Clayton Murphy. I mean, it's kind of sad that people were like, like we're happy to see him fail because he went for it. People are like, oh, he's greedy, he's arrogant, you know, and, but he's got to be kicking himself because, you know, last year he wanted to run the 1500, didn't get the qualifying times because people think, oh, he's not fast enough for the 800. He's already in the top three in the world last year in the Olympic year. He's run 142. He might have been the favorite for this year. And he's just, it's just, ah, oh, it's amazing. Hey, yeah, he, the key for Clayton is not to let the you know detractors bring him down. I always say, if you're the most popular president of the United States, forty percent of people are gonna hate your guts. Yeah, if you're probably the worst president of the United States, forty percent of people probably still like you. Um, right. to John, no political commentary now. <laughs> no, no, well, I makes, think we should wrap. On this a up. serious note, um, no, that, that makes me feel Robert good. when you had I'm probably the, I'm probably the most hated person. Let's run. So that probably also means that I'm probably the most accurate. Most best journalist ever. Yeah, I'm Most sure awesome. your haters will think that stat is just brilliant. There's no logical force there mail. at all. <laughs> we'll give out Robert's private cell phone number, 607. No, just kidding. Um, one, one sort of crazy note that must be noted. When Robert was talking about, you know, the athletes, American athletes having a 30% chance of meddling, 30%, 30%, I typed into Google 0.7 times 0.7 times 0.7. And on the right-hand side, because uh, Google will do math, you guys know that. What do I see? Wikipedia entry for the July seventh, two thousand five, London bombings. A bit eerie, um, but you know, there's a bigger world going out there. We're in London. People ask about safety. I'm not concerned. Um, you got to live life. And I've, I always said, if if ever something, I just want this on the record. If something ever happens to me, one of these events, you know, I died doing out what I love. So, John and I, I feel very privileged to be here. I'm very excited. Uh, when I, you know. People said, hey, you going to London for work or business? Just some random people. I said, hey, I'm going to be in London for two weeks. And I said, oh, 
yeah, it's work, but uh, I would I would pay to be here. So um, I guess I am paying to be here, but it's half of it's your money, Robert. So thank you. <laughs> People click on the ads. Enter our prediction running warehouse. Let's run.com world's prediction contest. Um, you got about what four hours to get your picks in? Five hours to get your picks in? Plenty of time. I still made my picks. What do you guys? Final part and comments. I think we're just. I think it's. This is good. I think we should do a couple more this week. But right now, um, just get ready for the meet. I'm so excited. Like Weldon said, uh, I'm privileged to be here. It doesn't. It never feels like work. Um, well, may, all right, maybe two thirty in the morning. I'm still working on a story. It feels a little bit like work. But <laughs> pretty much everything else, it's uh, it's really the best job in the world, and uh, it's going to be awesome to see Mo Farah and everyone else on the track tonight. On the track this afternoon, folks, if you're a U.S. fan, you need to take off work. I think um, 420, you know, it's a Friday. Hey, it's all right. Um, yeah, very excited as well. I mean, I... I it's on tape uh, delay in the U.S., right, on NBCSN? Yeah, well, of course, yeah. We'll be on tape delay tonight on TV on, uh, I think, 7 to 9. You can check it out. I've got all the TV information for you. Um, I guess I'll have to stream it live on the gold to watch it. But um, actually, looking at my prediction contest, gentlemen, I, for some reason... It looks like there's a glitch weld in the system. My men's javelin silver medal pick is not showing. So I need to go and change that. I actually don't have a women's 10,000 bronze medal. Sure, all right. The people, I'm sure the people really want to hear about the Robert's no. prediction. Contest. Very excited. I, I think maybe we should do this every day because the timing works well. I can get up early. You guys can sleep in, uh, you know, uh, and, and we could do a daily podcast, um, you know, quick, short, and to the point. But very excited. I have... The tenth, I mean, it's, it's great. The, the, they've really marketed this meet. Well, you start off with Mo Farah, the last event of the first day. The Brits are going to be into it. Um, it's going to be a mesmerizing race. The, the drama, the buildup, um, get the 100 meter starting as well. So it should be a fantastic world. And again, I'm going with two two medals for the U.S. That's it. And the 800 on up. Okay, um, I'll stick with three. Well, then, did we ever get Weldon on the record? Well, do you have a pick? How many medals? Distance medals. You guys are two and three. I say three. Robert says two. What do you say? It's like it's like Price is Right. So I got to go with four because anything over that, I go out and f- throw out five out there just to look smart. But I'm gonna go four. Come home happy. Caveat: If Drew Wendell, we only had one. Every, American distance fans are getting spoiled. We had one medal, distance medal, the last uh, World Championships. Emily Infield. It's crazy when you think about that. All right. So it's only one. Thank you. Good point. And um. You know, trivia fact, we'll, we'll talk about this later when the steeple comes up. An American-born male has never won a gold medal in this championship. So, Jager could change that. There's so much to, to be excited for. Bolt's last uh, – I, I, supposedly Bolt's last world's global championship. Supposedly Mo Farah's last global championships. We'll talk about that next time. I'm not convinced these guys aren't going to come back. You, you heard it here first. Let's run. Robert Rojo Johnson telling you these guys may not be retired. I think the odds that one of them comes back on the track is greater than 50%. So, great first edition from London. I'm going to say goodbye to you guys, and I want to thank all the listeners for listening to the first London Track Talk, and we'll try to have another one tomorrow. Morning recap the action, get you wet ready for the 100-meter final and everything else. So, thanks a lot, and enjoy the world.